Hello everyone, welcome to another weekly episode of Limitless Podcast, a place where we bring together global leaders in sales and marketing. My name is Sanjana and I'm the host of Limitless Podcast. Today we are speaking with Brendan Kumarasamy, founder of Master Talk. So uh, Master Talk is a very popular YouTube channel on public speaking. Uh, Brendan has coached more than 100 plus business students on how to give amazing presentations and his YouTube channel will help you master even the slightest details of your sales pitch. So I've given the link to the channel in the description. Uh, there are some amazing videos there, so please do check it out. So hey, Brendan, welcome to Limitless. Thanks for having me, Sanjan. It's a pleasure. So glad to have you here. Uh, and I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have. Likewise. All right. So the topic for today is... Um, online public speaking tips for sales and marketing professionals. Uh, so I believe uh, you don't need to be the world's top orator to build rapport with your prospects, uh, but good speaking, public speaking skills is really important to you know, deliver a smooth and uh, confidence inspiring presentations or a demo, uh, especially for customer facing teams like uh, sales and marketing. So uh, Brendan is here to shed light on all things about public speaking, uh, the mistakes that we do and how to overcome them. I'm sure this episode is going to be thoroughly insightful. Uh, so let's begin. Brendan, maybe we'll get started with just a brief introduction about your uh, career journey and uh, where did the idea for Master Talk come from? Yeah, of course. So when I was in business school, uh, much like the business schools in India, really around the world, I kind of asked myself what the top jobs were after you graduate, like what kind of opportunities are out there. And I learned really quickly that there's three different types of jobs that help you achieve a lot of personal development and career development. So the first one is investment banking, where you work in the banking industry, where you're selling and doing transactions. The second one is if you're a management consultant. So someone who works at McKinsey, someone who works at one of the consulting firms. The third one is to work at one, as an accountant at one of the big four accounting firms, you know, PwC, Deloitte, Ernest & Young, and KPMG. So when I looked at all these options, I kind of said, well, which one do I want to do the most? And for me, consulting was the most appealing because every day you're always solving problems. You're always trying to tackle a solution. So for me, that was really appealing because I just said, wow, I want to solve problems. I want to work on those things. So that's why I had the opportunity to join IBM. But the question is, how did I get there? And the answer is simple, right? Most people in Canada and the US and for most parts of the world who get jobs in consulting, which is basically solving cases and business problems every day, most of us do compete in case competitions. So it's kind of like uh, professional sports, but for nerds. So instead of playing cricket five times a week and having your coach yell at you in the morning, I did the same thing in presentations. So from the ages of from 19 to 22, when I graduated, I had presented over 500 times. I had coached 100 people and I had competed in over 50 competitions. So that's what led to the career at IBM that I was so fortunate to get at a very young age. But then after that, I asked myself the following question, which is how do I transition the money in my pocket to make an impact in the world to how do I use my time and expertise? And that's where Master Talk came into play because I just realized a lot of the content on YouTube was pretty terrible when it came to public speaking. So I wanted to do something about it. Yeah, 
got it that's inspiring brendan uh, thank you for sharing that with us uh, all right so uh, let me just jump straight into the questions that i want to ask you today uh, so my first question is uh, why do we struggle so much with public speaking uh, how is that one person is good at it and one is not right so so there's a super easy way to explain this Let, let's think about this from a systems point of view just very general most of the presentations that we give are entirely forced. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Sanjana, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't make any sense. We don't do that. Most of the presentations we give are either at school yeah. or at work. That's it. But here's the reality. You don't get to pick the topic. You got to present history or something. You're presenting to students who don't want to hear you because they're thinking about their own presentation that they have to give 10 minutes after yours. And right. then you have a teacher who's really smart, but also really stressed because she or he is going through 30 of these in an hour or in yeah. two hours. So she's like checking all the boxes. She's getting worried. He's getting worried. So no wonder we're not good at public speaking. The issue isn't us. The issue is the environment in which we present in. So if you're presenting topics you don't like, to people who don't want to hear you, to teachers who are too stressed to help you. Of course, it's normal that we all struggle. So what's the difference between the person yeah. who ends up being good and the person who doesn't? Very simple, actually. Using Simon Sinek's words, I kind of add a twist to it. I call it the public speaking why, which is the people who actually do really well in public speaking have a reason why they want to master it, and that's why they get better than someone who doesn't. So I'll give you an example. Let's say me, you, and I don't know, Ravi are in the same class okay, together in high school. Mm -hmm. You have this podcast. You say, well, if I want Limitless to be successful, I need to be a great communicator. I need to speak well so that my, the people who are listening to me understand me. I'm another right. good example. Why would you listen to a speech coach who doesn't know how to speak? Right? Right. Just does, doesn't work. But Ravi... He's just, a, he's just a normal guy. He doesn't want to achieve anything else beyond school. He's not looking to start a business. He's not looking to get promoted at work. He's just trying to do his nine-to-five government job. So for him, he's not going to be good at public speaking, not because Ravi can't do it, but rather because Ravi doesn't want to do it. Got it. That's, that's really interesting. So uh, what is the biggest challenge that people face when it comes to public speaking? Right. So I said there's a lot there, but I think the biggest one that comes to mind is understanding how to actually practice. So an analogy I like to give is really any skill that you want to learn. You want to get better at a sport. You want to play a new instrument. You want to go on a run and you want a better time. Those are good examples. So if I, if I asked you in your audience the following question, how do you practice? Most of you won't answer with, oh, you know, I got to get this special trick right. No, you practice the same thing every day until you don't want to do it anymore. So for cricket, sure, there's some special moves that we can see on TV. But at the end of the day, the best in the world focus on the fundamentals, the basics. Can I hit it? Can I hit the ball? Can I run? Can I run faster? Can I work with my team better? Simple, simple, simple. And we do that over hundreds or even thousands of times if you're a pro or even tens of thousands of times until you become a master. But in public speaking, we don't apply that logic 
let's say it's Wednesday. And I go, Sanjan, I need a sales presentation for Friday. You're going to spend every night, you know, getting the presentation done because yeah. you're busy at work. You're scared. You're like, what am I going to do? You know, it's like a third presentation. It's Friday. You give the presentation. But then what do you do with the presentation after? You put it in the garbage. You don't work yeah. on it. again, Right. Yeah. You just go, well, I got another sales presentation to give on Tuesday. But here's the secret. The best speakers in the world don't have a lot of presentations. I only have two keynotes, but I've presented those. One of those keynotes I've presented over 300 times now. That's the secret. You present one repeatable presentation that solves a problem for someone else and you do it over and over and over and over and over. And most people don't practice that way. Okay, so let's say I want to do this and become good at public speaking. Uh, what should I uh, start doing from this moment on? Like, how should I get started? Right, so I think the easiest way to get started is figure out your public speaking why. What I always tell people is if you don't have a strong reason why you want to master communication, you'll be good. Like, you can watch the videos, you can do that, you can still be good, but you'll never be exceptional. You'll never be like a top 1% speaker. You could be like top 10%, 15%, but you'll never go to the, to the absolute top. So a good example, since we're talking to sales and marketing teams here, yeah. is do you actually care about what you're selling? Do you actually care about what you're marketing? I can't sell most things, right? I, not because I'm not good enough. I have the public speaking skills to do it, but because I don't want to. But if there's a book I care about that people should read, or if I want to sell my services, maybe, you know, to a, a corporate, you know, and I'm pitching to them or something, I really care because I'm like, no, this stuff works because I'm the guy giving it, right? So my question to your sales and marketing teams, and for some of the, for some of the people listening, the answer will be no. Do you care so much of your product that you're willing to sell more of it? The answer is Yes. You can master public speak. If the answer is no, you need to find a presentation outside of work that still allows you to practice. So Toastmasters is a good example that I like to give people because you enter a community of accountability, but you don't spend a lot of money to do it, right? So it's something I recommend highly. But what's more interesting than Toastmasters is creating what I call a repeatable presentation. A presentation that you can do over and over again. So I'll give you an example, okay? It's super classic, so everyone knows. So Sanjay is working in sales, hates his job, okay? And he comes up to me and he goes, Brendan, I wanna be a great speaker, but you know, like I don't like my job, so like I can't uh, present something exciting. But then I would look at Sanjay and I would say, okay, what do you like doing outside of work? He would say something like, oh, you know, I mentor some kids at a nearby charity. You know, I help at an orphanage. Or maybe he would say something like, I love to run every day. So that's simple. A lot of people do that. This is not uh, exclusive to uh, professionals here. But then what I would say, okay, Sanjay, you like to run, you like orphanages, or you like to help there. So why don't you make two presentations? One, on the benefits of running and how it changed your life. And two, why don't you make a presentation on the orphanage, you can go to different communities in your city, whether it's Chennai, New Delhi, wherever you are, and pitch the orphanage to people so you can raise a bit of money. Nothing official, just to your friends and family. But here's what happens. Let's say you start presenting to 10 people about running, and one of them goes, 
Hey, uh, Sanjay, I like what you did there. I'm going to start running now. You just changed someone's life. Now you're going to say, I want to make this presentation better. That's what happened to me. I used to present to two people. Actually, even sometimes I still present to two people. But then gradually over time, I was like, I need to make this keynote better because I'm helping so many people. Now I present to, you know, 200, 300 people, right? Does that make sense? But, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, so another question I have is uh, oftentimes in the professional world that we live in, uh, we would be asked to give an impromptu speech. So do you have any tips for that? Of course. So impromptu, let's break this down and make it super easy for people. Yeah. First thing I want to say is I don't recommend it for beginner speakers. That's not where you start. You start with repeatable presentations and you move up to that. Okay. The second thing I would say is the following sentence. If I were to summarize impromptu, it would sound like this. I don't know what I'm going to say as much as you do. I'm not smarter than you. I'm not more important. I'm not more special. But through my way of speaking, I'm going to convince you that I do so that with some practice, you will too. So an impromptu, we don't know what we're going to say next, but we have to convince our audiences that we do. So some examples is when I, ex when I explain something, I need to keep looking at you in the eye. Because if I don't know what I'm going to say next and I start to move my eye contact, I'm going to go, Brendan doesn't know what he's talking about. Same thing with my face. If I look shocked that I have to give an impromptu presentation, you're going to tell, right? So those are some tips that we can think about. And the other one is simple, right? Use silences, pauses in a speech to buy time. So usually when I, when I pause for five seconds, it's mostly to think. It's not really to pause for effect. You go, what am I supposed to say again? But then you figure it out. So I'll give an ex example, which is an yeah. exercise mm -hmm. called the random word exercise. So okay. basically what you do with this exercise is you pick a random word in your house and from that word, you create an introduction. So for the sake of the audience, what I'll do, Sanjay, is I'll demonstrate this. So why don't you just give me a random word? Uh, just one word? Table. Table. Okay, so what I have to do with table is I need to make a presentation out of it. Let's go. I was waking up one morning, it was 7 a.m., and I could feel the sun resonating on my face. And I sat next to my table, and I was having the best breakfast a guy could ever have. A nice fruit bowl some tea to get the day started and a little bit of exercise. Tables aren't just another piece of furniture. They're the very foundation of any house because it's where families gather. It's where friends gather. It's where celebration and community gather. And that's exactly why in today's presentation, I'll be elaborating on the different tables that exist in different cultures and how you can better use the right table for the right community that you're trying to build. So notice how I just invented that out of nowhere. So this is a good example, especially since we're on video. I had no way of knowing what the word was, but I convinced you that I was a tables expert because I kept yeah, my eye contact. Exactly. My face didn't change. It looked like, well, obviously it's this takes confidence. hundreds. I, I, I did, I've done this like 600 times. Right? Not, I'm not fancy. I've just done a lot. So do it five times a day. Got it, got it. Excellent, excellent. So uh, now that you spoke about confidence and body language, uh, so how do you exude confidence when you speak? So is there something that we need to do uh, apart from eye contact and other things? Right. So, so one thing I always like to say when somebody asks me about confidence is that I get it. 
right? I started Master just so we're clear with everyone. I started Master when I was 22, not 42. And I coach CEOs today. So you can imagine the first time that I started <laughs> presenting to CEOs of companies who were double my age, double my experience. I was obviously very nervous. I was yeah. like, wow, the CEO of this company is there and I'm just a kid. But what I learned over time is confidence does not stem from this raw, raw, fickety of make it, none of that. That's BS advice, in my opinion. I think the right approach to confidence stems from two key areas, preparation and a belief system. So let me explain that again. Preparation. How many times have you prepared for the speech? How ready are you? And the second thing is your belief system. So let's start with that with me since I can always speak on my own experience. Sure, I didn't have a PhD in communication. I acknowledge that. But I've presented more times than any of those PhDs. Sure, they talk about communication. That's fine. But I've actually done it. You know, international competitions, speaking to vice presidents at like 20. So that was not like fake. That was presentation preparation. So when I go up to these CEOs, I'm scared like anyone else. But I say, I'm prepared. I've done this hundreds of times. The guy next to me just studied communication, doesn't actually know how to do the random word exercise. So I'm prepared to do this. That's where the confidence comes from. But the second part of that equation, so like I said, confidence from preparation. Second, what's the belief system? I know this is very motivational advice, but I think it applies because public speaking is equally about the study of tactics as it is the study of the mind, right? And you probably know that. Like in sales, right? It's not just about taking a spread, like a word document and saying hello my name is peter you know it's like no you're building a rapport with the client yeah. and you're trying to close them in a way that's not slimsy or fake so the second part of the equation is what do you actually believe in how would the world change if you were an exceptional speaker and if the answer is only your sales numbers will go up i don't think that's a good enough reason it makes sense you're not confident but for me what I believe in is that every 16-year-old boy and girl who can't afford me, which is all of them, should have access to my information anyways. So even if I'm scared in that moment for my presentation, that belief system guides me because it gives me direction. It says, okay, Brenda, you might be scared today, but you, there's a 16-year-old girl in Cambodia. There's a 16-year-old boy in Europe who needs your videos and you at your best. So you better get confident really quick. So preparation belief system will guide your confidence. Got it. Um, also, I was just wondering uh, what your speaking ritual looks like. Right. And I don't recommend my ritual to other people. I, just, I always like, I talk about it, but I, I always want to point out that the rituals are different for different people. So for me, I kind of divide my presentations into three types of categories, low stakes, medium stakes and high stakes in a low stake presentation. So that's like, you know, where I can be informal podcast is a good example. Yeah. Uh, a workshop to maybe 20 people. I don't really have that much of a ritual there unless it's like a mindset talk, which is you got this, you've done it hundreds of times. And that's something you'll develop too as a speaker. Cause the first time you do your keynote, you're like, you're like shaking. But after you've done it a hundred times, you done, I mean, sales demos, you're always presenting the same product for most, unless you're in a tech company and the product's changing. 
for the most part, you're always presenting the same things. After 50 times, you know what you're talking about. So there's nothing there. But in the medium stakes presentation, yeah. now it's like mm, maybe some C-level executives, a couple of hundred people. Not a huge deal, but it's nothing, uh, nothing small either. So what I do in that situation is I always cut my hair two weeks before the actual presentation at the same barber. Okay. It's more of a mental thing that I like to do because I like to see that, that guy cutting my hair and then I go, okay, it means I have a presentation in two weeks. I got to prepare mentally for it. So I prepare in advance. I don't just prepare mentally for the day. I think about it weeks in advance. Whereas most speakers, they go, oh yeah, I got a presentation on Friday. Let me just get this ready. No, no, no. Think a long time. The third thing is high stakes presentation. So these are presentations that can change the trajectory of what I'm doing with master talk. I have a very important meeting with somebody very high up. I have a very important conference to go to. I probably do that once or twice a year now. I used to do that a lot more in competitions, but now it's around once or twice a year. So what I do with that, once again, I don't recommend this. Everyone's got their own rituals is I actually buy a new suit. So what happens is I have my tailor buy me a new suit. We spend a couple of hours just fitting me in so that when it's the day of the presentation, and it's probably the second or third time I'm, giving the, I'm wearing the suit. So I pretend as if I'm somebody else that day. It's like I'm this completely new character and that person's job is just to get 100% of the presentation. The other thing I do only for high stakes is I don't talk to anyone for the day. I don't talk at all. Like I just say nothing. And the reason is because it helps me conserve all of the energy that I have. And I just blast it on my audience when I present. Got it. Got it. So now if you may have noticed, I use a lot of filler words like mm and ah when I speak, right? So how do I avoid this? Right. And I know it's not easy, right? You know, when I started, everyone starts there. I used to say ums and ahs all the time. And now it's like a mental tick where I don't do it anymore. The way that you do this is a lot more simpler than you think. Okay, so let's say we compare ourselves as speakers. You take someone who's a day-to-day -day speaker versus someone who's practiced a lot. We're both going to forget what we want to say next. You know, you ask me a question. I go, oh, what am I supposed to say here? Yeah. So naturally, we're both going to think about it and get nervous right? But the difference lies in the third bubble. Whenever a day-to-day -day speaker forgets what they want to say next and starts to panic, they go, uh, 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 uh and they use filler words to buy time. What was I supposed to say again? That's what they do. Cause it's a mental tick, right? Because from high school and all not remember, not your fault, the education system you were brought in, right? I want, to I want to focus it on that. Public speaking is something anyone can master. That's why I started Master Talk. Because I, I just, you know, I think it's important to tell my story really quickly. In the sense of, to give some confidence, because I know you saw the random word exercise and you kind of said, whoa. Anyways, the point is simple. I grew up in a French curriculum because Montreal is one of the few cities in the world where you need to speak multiple languages. I'll speak Tamil since it's an Indian audience, but the idea is simple. I grew up in an education system that I didn't know the language of. So even if I, despite being uncomfortable with presentations, I had to give presentations in a language I didn't even know. So if I can do that and struggle for 15 years, I'm pretty sure you can master communication as well. Okay, something I just want to push on the side. All right. So 
anyways, like, it's, oh yeah, so back to the ums and ahs. Yeah, yeah. But the difference when you're an exceptional speaker is that we're going to forget what we want to say next. Right? So naturally we think about it. But the difference is that we say nothing to buy time. Absolutely nothing. And that's the secret. The secret is that the best speakers in the world can pause forever. Obviously, we don't have forever, so you have to take my word for it. But what I do in in-person workshops just to prove this is if there's 20 people in a room, I will stare at every single person for 10 seconds and say nothing for three minutes. And it won't look awkward at all. And this, I guarantee you, 99.9% of speakers cannot do. So if you can do that and you're comfortable with pausing, which yeah. takes time. I wasn't yeah. there the first time. Then it'll be much easier to get rid of your ums and ahs because you'll start to replace those ums and ahs with nothing. All right. So next is, uh, this is an interesting thing that I came across. So uh, what's your take on introverts being excellent at public speaking? Don't you think it's contradictory? Yes, and absolutely not. I don't. A lot of the students I've coached over the years have went on to speak at international level competitions. We're talking like 36 teams, top, like top of the cream of all of my students that I've coached were mostly introverts, right? That's why I made that video. So obviously, as you can tell from the way that I speak, I'm obviously clearly extroverted, right? I love the life of the party and all that stuff. But here's the secret, right behind introverts whether you're an extrovert introvert ambivert doesn't matter is what are the advantages of your way of being and how do those advantages apply to public speaking so i'll give you a couple examples from the introvert side of things one thing introverts do really well is that they're much better at silences than extroverts so let's say i'm coaching an introvert and i say hey look you need to pause more often you need to pause a lot more frequently I'm not teaching them anything new. They go, oh, well, Brendan, I spend most of my days reading anyways. So yeah. I, oh, I have to do this in presentations. Okay, simple. Me, for an extrovert, pauses. Now it seems easy, right? Because I'm a professional. Three years ago, this was not easy for me. Whenever I'd pause, I'd go, uh, uh, somebody should be talking right now. Like, I don't like, because I'm always talking all the time, right? Hence podcasting, right? Works well for me. But for an introvert, they'd much rather read a book than give a podcast. So for them, silences, they master it probably 10 times faster, five times faster, just much faster than an extrovert would. Because an extrovert isn't naturally comfortable with silences. Number two, listening. Same thing. Extrovert like me, we're always talking, talking. You ask the question, I'm the one who's talking most of the time, right? As podcasts are. So what happens is I'm not listening to you. What are, what are Sanjana's wants and needs? What does she want from me? What are her needs and expectations? I'm not paying attention because I'm talking all the time. But an introvert who spends 80, 90% of a conversation listening like you are right now, yeah. it's much easier for you to tailor the message, to tailor what does Brendan actually want here in your presentations. That is much easier for an introvert to do. So those are just some examples, right? And the third one that I just remembered was the environment. Introverts are generally a lot more respectful of everyone in a room 
than an extrovert is because they understand their own space and they like their own space so much then they understand it that they go well if i get to have my space i'm going to make sure that when i present i present in a way that speaks to everyone so obviously in those three areas i was a zero when i started I, but i was much better at other things that introverts weren't like voice projection right staring into people's eyes for uncomfortably long periods of time because right. i just go out more so it's easier for me to do that so it's it's not really about introvert versus extrovert but i what i will say is if you are an introvert these are some of the advantages you need to keep in mind so that it gives you the confidence to be a great speaker because my best student was an introvert so i know you can i can do you can do it too got it uh so my next question is kind of off the topic but i can't help asking this uh so how do you make a boring topic sound great Right, that's not off topic. That's <laughs> it's very on topic. That you're gonna ask me about my karaoke videos or something. But it is the point is simple. How do you make the boring interesting? Yeah. The, the the idea is simple here. It's not about the topic. I've present just for people who know. I was an accounting major. Okay, there's nothing more boring to present than accounting policies. Okay, like nice. repo four twenty. Just saying repo 420 already loses 90% of the audience. So like, I don't want to deal with, and don't worry, I'm not here to explain accounting policies either. <laughs> But the, the point is simple that I use in the video is if I can explain repo 420 accounting policies in such a compelling way, you can too. So let's break down what does boring actually mean? Yeah. It means a couple of things. The first one, that's the most obvious, is the presenter looks uninterested. if i'm presenting uh accounting policies like this obviously i'm not exciting obviously it's boring but if i'm presenting accounting policies like this and i'm going to change your life and tell you all the new tax codes you might be a bit more interested you're like yeah what does brendan have to do with tax second thing is the projection of vocal tones okay when you present any subject despite how passionate you are about the subject If you present it like this and you're very monotone about the way that the baker is doing this or the bread is being made in this way obviously you're going to be boring right it's it has nothing to do with the topic it has everything to do with how you change your vocal tones and your tonality in a presentation so you want to make sure that you're varying your vocal tones to project different emotions about the thing you're actually passionate about the third thing that wasn't in the video that I'll talk about is this tying to who you are and the problem you're solving. Actually it was in the video. So the example that I give there is Joe has a bakery, right? And the idea with Joe is he obviously doesn't know anything about accounting. He doesn't care. So if you spend the entire presentation saying blah blah blah, you know, revenues cost, he's going to get lost. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to tie in to what am I presenting and why does it matter to my audience? So what I say in the video is that hey Joe, here's all you need to know. You need to keep in mind these three policies because you need to manage your revenues better, which means so that you can keep sharing the amazing products and services, the cakes, the cupcakes, the breads to your local community because they come every day for your bakery. Notice how I took something really complicated, really annoying and frankly boring to something that Joe goes, "Wow, I get this." Right? So simplify, manage your vocal tones better and look interesting to begin with. 
and you'll solve any boring presentation into an interesting one. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Got it. So uh, let's just wrap it up with one just last question that I have. Um, so what is the one advice that you want to give it away to our listeners? Right. So the advice I want to give away to people is actually nothing to do with uh, public speaking, but everything to do with mindset and personal development, which is practicing the art of being more insane. I want you all to just internalize this. I'm a 22-year-old guy who started a YouTube channel, not on vlogging, not on comedy, not on skits, but on public speaking. So why in the world did I do that? And that is because I just believe and I live by this saying, which is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, if you want to get the same engineering job, the same doctor job, the same accounting job as everyone else in your Indian community, go for it. Be normal. But normal won't get you very far. It'll get you the job. It might get you the partner. It might get you the family you might or might not want. But what it won't get you is finding that unique thing that speaks to you. And every person who has made a big difference in the world that you can count on, Simon Sinek, every, even your favorite actors right in Bollywood, all believed something that you didn't, which is they were capable of things that even they thought weren't possible. And you need to start from that logic. And if you start from that logic and you start to practice being more insane, which in other words means communicating the weird things that you do to other people, like I like to draw at midnight. I like to dance alone in my basement, which is my favorite thing to do. If you're able to communicate those weird things to people, you'll start to become more unique. And if you become more unique, you might find your own master talk idea to pursue. And I hope you do. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brendan. Uh, that was super insightful. Uh, I actually got a ton of insights on public speaking. Uh, you sure have given us a lot to think about and I'm looking forward to learning more from you. Thank you so much, Sanjay. It was a pleasure. So uh, before we close, Brennan, tell us where can people follow you? Of course. And I always say I'm not famous like Sanjay over here. So you can just message me directly on Instagram. Super easy to, to, to message, connect with. I answer all my DMs. So I'm at Master Your Talk. And if you want to check out my YouTube videos, it's Master Talk in one word. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. See you again. Of course. My pleasure. Stay tuned to our weekly upcoming episode with more sales and marketing leaders from around the globe. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. Subscribe to get notified when a new episode is out. Also, please leave us a review if you're on Apple. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.